listening to With Woman, a podcast hosted by midwives Sophie and Ashley. Join us as we help you to navigate the transition from womanhood to motherhood and everything in between. With Woman is your unfiltered and raw guide to empowering you to trust the process in hopes that each episode leaves you feeling a little more supported through your journey. Before we get into this episode, a little disclaimer. Although we are midwives, the information discussed in this podcast is not intended to substitute the care or advice of your healthcare provider. And we swear a lot. So here's your warning on that too. Hello and welcome to With Woman. We're excited to finally be releasing this episode. And we thought to kick things off, we'd begin by introducing ourselves so you can kind of get to know a little about us as women, as midwives, and also the motivation behind starting the podcast. So just to familiarize yourself with the voices you'll hopefully continue to listen to throughout the series. (laughs) I'm Ashley. And I'm Soph. Hey. (laughs) And now we need to be honest. Uh, We've had a few practice runs at this and a few false starts. (laughs) So Making (laughs) making a podcast is a lot harder than it looks. Especially coming from two healthcare workers that have no experience with technology whatsoever it's taken actually have none (laughs) to be able to even join in a zoom meeting was a challenge yeah we did not jump on the zoom bandwagon of 2020 (laughs) but it is hard when we're during covid and we can't actually be together to record so we have to record everything via zoom anyway we're here and we've got it we're here we made it at one (laughs) Um, So this first episode, we'll obviously be introducing ourselves, as I said, and we'll also be talking a little bit about um, birthing during a pandemic and the implications of coronavirus on maternity services, which is a really big topic. And that is very relevant right now. Absolutely. Soph and I are, are based in Sydney and obviously we've been in lockdown in our state for quite some time now, which has given us lots of time to start this new endeavor. Um, I think we're going on 11 weeks now, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. I've lost count. Yeah. I don't count anymore. <laughs> Which 11 weeks I find really long, but then I also really feel for Victoria because this is like their sixth lockdown and that might just, it must be so much harder. Yeah, it's two years for them basically, isn't it? That's insane. <laughs> like, Also, apologies in advance if you can hear my son squealing in the background he is happy it's happy squeals and he is being cared for by someone (laughs) but yes you might hear him from time to time (laughs) all right so kick things off tell us about you all right me a little bit about me so I was born in Sydney and I moved to Queensland with my family to the Gold Coast when I was in primary school I have, with my three older brothers and my parents. Um, so majority of my family are living in Sydney, like all my cousins and aunties and uncles. And one of my brothers has actually moved back to Sydney as well. I... Went to school in Queensland for primary school and high school and then straight out of high school, I was really umming and ahhing actually about whether I was going to go into nursing or whether I was going to do interior design, which two very opposite ends of the spectrum to do. Yeah. (laughs) Not sure. I'm not understanding. (laughs) 
fully did like graphics and like business and everything in school because I fully thought I was going to go into interior design, which I still love doing interior design. Like I love my Pinterest boards. I love playing The Sims. Not currently because I have a child and that just can't happen. But prior to this, I loved The Sims. (laughs) Sims is on the back burner. (laughs) Oh, I'm such a nerd. Very sad. Yeah, um, I actually decided I went into nursing in the end, um, which I think to start nursing straight out of school is such a young age to start from. I started studying my Bachelor of Nursing before I turned 18, actually, Um, which it's a big decision to start, especially a nursing degree, because you don't really know what you're getting into. Hey, and it's quite intense. It's very intense. It's just, I feel like the mental side of nursing is intense yes, at, a, really. at such a young age. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah. So straight from school, I did my Bachelor of Nursing and then I worked in a small hospital just over the New South Wales border for a year um, in oncology and renal. It was like a joint ward. And then at the end of that year, I decided to apply for the MidStart program, which is the diploma of midwifery. I always kind of wanted to be a midwife because I think I thought it was all just about like cuddling babies and (laughs) pregnancy. And I was always interested in things to do with pregnancy, but it definitely isn't just all that. (laughs) (laughs) And then the curriculum that I wanted to do wasn't being offered up on the Gold Coast for the year that I wanted to do. So I thought I have family in Sydney. I'll just apply for it in Sydney, not thinking that I'd get in. And then I actually got in. So hauled my whole life to Sydney at the age of what, 22. And I lived with my brother and his wife for the first year, got into the Sydney lifestyle And I started working at the hospital that I'm still working at now, which I absolutely love, was just going to do the year, study, and then go back to the Gold Coast and work up there and be back with my family and my gal pals. Also met a boy. It's always a boy. Which happens. Oh, you always meet a boy. (laughs) And, yeah, the rest is history. So I ended up staying in Sydney now, going on eight years, and I've worked as a midwife here for the last seven years. Majority of that, I worked in delivery suite and the maternity ward. And then I also worked in the clinic, um, which I absolutely loved actually. But going on three years ago now, I applied for a job in the. I know it's gone so fast, actually. Yeah. I keep thinking, like, no, it was like two years ago we started, but no, it's three years now. I feel like I've been longer. Yeah. But I think because we have such similar personalities in a way. We just bonded really quickly. Far fast. <laughs> Mostly over snacks and food. Um, but yeah, three years ago, I started in a midwifery group practice um, in a team model. And that's where I met Ash, which for people that aren't midwives is where we have a certain amount of women a month that we look after and we follow them throughout their pregnancy. And then we're actually on call for them throughout their birth. Go in. We look after them in labor and then we actually visit them at home for up to two weeks postpartum as well. So worked in that for the last three years. However, love working in the model. 
the on-call and the inability to completely shut off from work was really burning me out. It's a role which I knew if I didn't try before having a family, I'd most likely would have missed the opportunity because it is hard having like that on-call and it's also full-time work as well. Yeah. But working in the model, there's this incredible emotion that you get when you get to experience just this new life coming into the world. And especially when you know the family that you're looking after as well, don't you reckon? Absolutely. It makes things 10 times more special than what they are if you just met them. Yeah. And I'd say getting to know the women and their families and then being present with them in that room is what just brings me back to being a midwife every single day like you can have the toughest days they feel like you come home you feel like your soul is just completely breaking sometimes um on the really bad sides of midwifery um but then you just have like some really beautiful births and I feel like that's just what brings me back really day in and day out (laughs) um but I'm currently on maternity leave so I had a little boy for just over four months ago now. And I think people presume because I'm a midwife, I know how to be a mom. Um, <laughs> but oh, seriously, I'm learning every single day and I still Google the dumbest shit. <laughs> like, I feel like I should know this stuff because I'm a midwife and other people presume I know it too, but I still Google, I think, stuff that other mums google every single day what what's the dumbest shit you've googled <laughs> like this will be <laughs> no it's it's just mostly about like is this poop normal <laughs> um what should poop consistency be is it, is it mainly poop related yeah <laughs> <laughs> or I just or I just message my friends like I actually I've sent a picture of poop before I feel like you just worry about like how much the baby's getting, how much is coming out. It's all just stress every single day being a (laughs) mum. But I think one of the main reasons I wanted to start this podcast as well is because the day I gave birth made me realise that I'm stronger than I thought I was. Um, And if I can come out of this podcast just making one other woman feel the way that I did after my birth, then I feel like this potty will be worth it. Yeah. We want women to feel supported. And whether that's you had a vaginal delivery, an elective Caesar, whether you went public, private, you breastfed, you formula feed. I just want women to come out of their birth feeling empowered and strong. And and just overall, yeah. And just overall happy with no matter how it goes or what happens, just knowing that they tried everything or the decisions they made were exactly what they wanted. Yeah. At the end of the day, every woman that bears a child created that child and carried that child. And it's, well, yeah. Carries that child predominantly, unless you have a surrogate. That's true. (laughs) I'm on the IVF train, obviously. (laughs) You are. IVF train. (laughs) I want to be inclusive of everyone, but you know, if you carry your child, like we're all doing the same job and it doesn't matter in the way in which you, like you just said, you know, the way in which you birth your baby or feed your baby, we're all doing the same thing and we all should be equally as proud of ourselves for achieving that. And birth can be such a traumatic one day in your entire life that 
if you can come out of that journey just happy and empowered, I think it can change a lot of women's lives overall. Yeah. A little bit more about me. I love the beach. Summer, that's where you'll find me. Actually, that's where you'll find Ash as well. We have a lot of beach days (laughs) together. Um, But then I also love the snow at the same time. I'm like two polar opposites. So summer, beach, winter, snow. I know they're two extremes. And I love a good cocktail. You'll always find, actually, currently you'll find me making apple martinis or I'm on two amaretto sours. Yum. Mm, I love a good amaretto. Which any of those? Have you um, tried that? Is it Mr. Consistent? It's like the bottled yeah, they're pretty good. Margarita stuff mix. mix. Yeah. Oh, I haven't tried that one. Mm. But um, I got the amaretto this week mm. and I'm actually loving it. Yum. Mm. How's your yeah. aversion to them? Your skin breakout? Oh, so <laughs> since being pregnant, I didn't know this, but pregnancy can like bring on allergies like postnatally. <laughs> um, and I had my first apple martini at a dinner six weeks after I gave birth or something. And I started coming up in these red, like hive things, like a rash. And I thought it was the food I was eating, but turns out it's apple martinis, which is really depressing, but I'm drinking through it. Yeah. I feel like each apple, <laughs> I feel like each apple martini I have, the rash is getting better and better. Yeah. We're empowering you to persevere. That's what this podcast is about. <laughs> But doing this podcast, I think this last year has been one of the most challenging years of my life, I think. Not only having a baby, but being separated from my family and majority of my friends, my girlfriends are in Queensland. And I never thought I'd have a baby and not be able to have my mum with me for support. Like my mum came down before I was due for about five weeks. I'm so sorry. You can hear my son screaming. (laughs) but he's laughing. I promise. (laughs) He just has this real squeal at the moment. (laughs) Um, Yeah. My mom actually flew down from Queensland for the five weeks before I was due. And then I'm so lucky that she actually was able to stay. I think she flew home when my son was about four weeks old. And that's just after that, when the borders closed, but we FaceTime like twice a day. And I think that the one thing that I've struggled with the most during this lockdown and COVID is just not having family present and I think leading up to having a baby you always just think like my maternity leave is going to be like this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to have all this support and then I'm also lucky on the same side that my partner's been able to work throughout the whole process because I know a lot of families during COVID have both been like out of work and everything. So I've been on maternity leave and he's still been able to work. So I'm really thankful for that. But I also actually birthed in a time in the pandemic when I think New South Wales in general was in like a restrictions were kind of being lifted. Yeah. I think everyone was really blase about it as well. Like we kind of went through that initial first wave and then everything kind of settled down. And that's when I had my, yeah, pre yeah, it is pre-Delta, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So I kind of had my son in a little bit of a break. There weren't that many changes to the birth services, which we'll talk more about second half of this potty. But yeah, Sydney was living somewhat a normal life as we had minimal cases when I had my son. But doing this podcast for me is an outlet 
that helps me be me again because being separate from a mother, as I'm sure like any new mums, you slowly lose who you are because you have this little person that you're looking after constantly. And I was fully prepared to do that. And I've always said to myself, like, you just kind of have to let go of who you are for a few months or a few years um, and you'll eventually get back to yourself when they're a little bit older and you have more time to yourself and everything. But this podcast is another little outlet for me. Um, and I love that the podcast or I want it to be conversations without judgment from every single angle. Like we're both women, we're both in our 30s who just happen to be midwives as well. And we both work in the health industry, but we also are into like alternate remedies and aspects as well. And we both deal with women issues on a regular basis. And I think that's just what I want this potty to be about just discussing topics that a lot of women struggle to open to be open about because not a lot of women don't you reckon have like close family or their gal pals as I call them because they're my girlfriends that you go to for everything and I know Ash has <laughs> her gals yeah the eastern inner city chicks <laughs> <laughs> that's actually their name in their group chat <laughs> the most eastern suburbs thing ever that's kind of embarrassing <laughs> it's but also the not chick only the emoji as well it's not chicks it's the emoji of the chick hatching out of the egg which does that make it worse <laughs> or better <laughs> yeah. don't leave a comment below <laughs> But yeah, I want this podcast to just not only be conversations for women that don't have those outlets or open communications with their friends, but be able to have a laugh as well um, and listen to us discuss things that a lot of women are just really scared to talk about, really. Yeah, we want to just build a sense of community. Yeah, and like Ash and I just talk so much shit talk most of the time anyway. (laughs) We'll keep that to a minimum on the podcast as best as we can. (laughs) we'll try to (laughs) but anyway that's me in a little bubble so ash you're up yeah so uh a little bit about me i moved around a lot during childhood i've lived in quite a few different states but victoria is my home base so like a lot of people affected by covid I've seen my parents once in two years, which is pretty rough. It doesn't help. They're actually separated and they live on opposite sides of the States. So that makes traveling to them in general tricky anyway. But when you're balancing shift work with traveling during a pandemic and border closures, non-border closures, and trying to go to both parts of the state, it makes things really difficult. It's almost like you need two trips to go see your dad and then go see your mum. Yeah, and I don't get that much time off. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> the downside. What do you mean? <laughs> so like Soph, I've been a nurse for coming up to eight years and I've been a midwife for seven. My nursing experience was just a year in, and that was in mental health. And I've We already- are both similar. In a lot of these things. Yeah, we are, yeah. And in mental health, I realized very quickly that that wasn't for me. I actually felt um, extremely vulnerable in that role, to be honest. And I was exposed to the harsh realities of institutionalism. And I was 22 at the time, and it was just really confronting to me. So I applied for the postgraduate mid-start program, same as Sophie. When you do the mid-start program, 
you actually work as a student midwife and you're employed by the state and you do four shifts a week in the hospital setting that you gain a position in and then you do one day a week at uni. So hospital that I worked in was actually a private hospital, which I was one of few students during my cohort to be actually working in a private hospital. A lot of mid-start midwives do public hospitals, hey? Yeah. Very few people do privates. And that's just because the role of a midwife in a private hospital is a little different to the role of a midwife at a public, which I'm sure we'll probably get into later on in the season when we talk about models of care. Um, But yeah, I worked at a hospital on the Upper North Shore and I was actually super lucky in that I had an obstetrician that I worked alongside that was incredibly women-centered and he also had the most beautiful midwife that worked alongside him. So I had really good mentors during that year. Um, I can't tell you why I chose midwifery. Um, (laughs) I think I just idealized it a lot. And what, I thought, you didn't think it was about cuddling babies either? Maybe. <laughs> um, but then, you know, turns out that it's actually really important to not separate mums from babies and <laughs> bonding is crucial. So it's not about cuddling babies at all. Um, you do get a little bit of that here and there, but um, it's actually not very... You actually don't get many cuddles at all. <laughs> yeah, it's also very busy and so you don't really have time to be doing those sorts of things. From my mid-start year, I moved into the public sector and I really found my love of midwifery after I completed my postgraduate year. I was really... I moved into the public health system because I wanted to really consolidate my skills that I'd learned during my postgraduate year and I wanted to start to be more autonomous as a midwife as well which is something that unfortunately you don't get exposure to when you work in a private hospital and that's because obstetricians deliver babies and not midwives unless you don't call the doctor in time which I did a couple of times and you do an accidental accident by accident yeah (laughs) (laughs) or a bit of miscommunication (laughs) anyway We'll talk more about this later. (laughs) Or maybe we won't. Because I want to hear about this. (laughs) And it really didn't interest me to continue working as a midwife, like in a capacity where I wasn't able to be solely responsible for a woman's care, to be honest. And I wanted to provide a more holistic approach and be challenged to actually critically think for myself and problem solve in the way that I gave care and work a little bit more collaboratively within a multidisciplinary team, which I which is also an aspect of midwifery that I really love. I worked in a really diverse area when I moved to public health. Um, Just in terms of the demographic, a lot of the women were non-English speaking or had limited English and quite often from culturally conservative backgrounds. Um, A lot of the women that I cared for, it was often quite taboo for them to have explored their own body and sexual health which made education really interesting at times it would make it really hard yeah I mean the phone calls we'd get to delivery suite or to birthing units sometimes you just they really highlighted the fact that women didn't completely understand how their bodies were working and which can happen cultural. in every culture absolutely absolutely yeah. on the flip side of that I loved providing care that really reflected the woman's values and beliefs even though that they were so far from 
my own and it was really special building those relationships along the way as well in 2018 which was the year that I um started working in midwifery group practice with Sophie I was a state finalist yes with you I was a state finalist in New South Wales Health Midwifery and Nursing Awards and that was for my role in uh, patient advocacy so that was probably one of my biggest kind of career highlights or achievements which is a massive achievement I must say yeah so that was and you should be super proud of that yeah I am I kind of forget that that happened it was a bit of a whirlwind and like quite cool at the time to be at parliament house and um to be amongst other people who have been kind of pioneers in their careers and I was just like at the time I think a fourth or fifth year midwife and I was like I belong here what's going on is my like with you have you fucked this up? Like, do you realize it's me? Is this a mistake? Is someone else? But um, anyone w- that works with me knows that I can be fairly passionate, I would say, on the floor. And when uh, I say on the floor, I mean like on the ward, like in birth. Is passionate the right word? <laughs> <laughs> I've been known to throw out a few what the fucks from time to time. <laughs> In the same breath, I, like I love, have. yeah, <laughs> I love working within a team. I, you know, but you know, I'm just, I want to get my point across sometimes. <laughs> You're very, you are very passionate. Yeah. <laughs> you advocate for what you believe in, which is what midwifery is all about. Absolutely. And sometimes you need that voice around. And I wouldn't say that I do it in a way that abrupt or disruptive to the environment or to the woman's care or to the team it's just you know when I need to prove a point I'll prove it I do that in my personal life as well like I'm going to prove a point you'll I'll make it known okay oh yeah she does um, so yeah shortly after I received um that award I transitioned into midwifery group practice which is what we've touched on before is where I met Soph and where I also found the joy in being a midwife we had a lot of fun we had a beautiful team of midwives uh we cried a lot happy and sad (laughs) tears (laughs) our Um, office was called the box of tears actually it wasn't just us as well like other people you'd open the office door and someone would be sitting on the couch crying yeah or someone would just walk past and you'd be like hey are you okay and then they just come in and sit on our futon and just like blubbering mess and let everything out you're like oh okay I'll look, stop what I I'm promise. doing I'll pay attention to what you're saying all right yeah we're going into it okay cool. look midwifery isn't always about crying so if you're thinking about getting into midwifery just listen to this podcast but also know that there's a lot of happy things too yeah but we did work in a really beautiful supportive environment and I think the women that we cared for really felt that which is something that I'm super proud of having been a part of that team because we did build relationships with women that we well I personally still have you know friendships with some of the women well I would call it friendships with some of the women that we've cared for oh yeah a hundred percent and there's nothing greater than having feedback from women that you've cared for for them to say you know you can really tell that you all love working together and you love being midwives and you love caring for women I think that's the biggest compliment any of us could have ever received and I'm so proud of that yeah and being with those women getting to know them but then also being able to work in a team where all of us get along and we're all friends it just made going to work so much easier too it's fun and you can have long 12-hour shifts but at the end of it like all you need is text message at 4am telling McDonald's. Ash to come get me McDonald's pancakes 
That was no joke. It happened. I am text message. It Do not come to work empty-handed. Please bring McDonald's. <laughs> Need pancakes. I should also also mention somewhere in there. I also completed a paramedics degree, which I may oh, use yeah, just, one day. Just mention that completed a paramedics degree. That was because I wanted to eventually work for air ambulance. So you require a couple of certifications and a bit of experience to do that. So maybe further down the line that's where I'll end up but that's on hold for now so for me recording this podcast has really led me to reflect I think a lot on what I love most about being a midwife I love connecting with women it's honestly such a privilege to be trusted in one of the most important events of their life and to witness also the most intimate moments too and sometimes capture them which is something Sophie is very skilled at. I love taking birth photos. Should be your side hustle. Actually, no, this is your side hustle. Don't do that. (laughs) It should be my side, side hustle. Yeah. (laughs) She's very skilled in black and white portrait mode. Yes. Yes, I am. I will say that. (laughs) But not Android. I cannot work in Android at all. Who has Android? Yeah, the greatest honour is also being a midwife to your friends, I believe. And Sophie and I have been very lucky to have been given that opportunity a few times, which is probably one of the most special moments, but equally the most stressful. We, we're actually, we're going to do a, um, but like every now and then we'll do an episode where yeah. we include birth stories too. Yeah. yeah. Because birth stories are always a little bit interesting. It's also incredibly humbling job. There's been times, particularly in the last year, I've been working and I've felt like the rest of my life is, sorry to be dramatic, but falling apart. And you get that call at 3am and you pull yourself out of bed and you walk through the birthing unit and you have the ability to make such a difference in someone else's life. And I'm so grateful to be able to do this as my career. It's really special. Having said that, um, (laughs) I am currently on a career break. (laughs) I love my job, but I'm not doing it at the moment. (laughs) It's not because I don't love midwifery. Actually, a friend of mine kindly referred to what I'm going through as a midwife crisis. Was Um, that your friend or was that your ex? (laughs) Let's be honest here. (laughs) Fuck you. I don't want to give him any credit. (laughs) No, I have. But basically, um, on-call really burnt me out. Shift work impacted me a lot. I didn't really have a good work-life balance. And I think it's really difficult if there's any midwives listening to this podcast, particularly those that work in a model of care, as as Sophie's previously kind of alluded to, it is really difficult to balance your personal and your work life. And it's actually I, really hard. It's really hard. And I was made to feel guilty about wanting to prioritize myself instead of my work yeah and I think sometimes you go through weeks where it's either your personal life or your work life that suffers it's it's really hard when you're on call and doing full-time to just keep both balanced yeah absolutely and I I honestly think I saw Ash for some weeks more than I saw my partner yeah so easily done I've been doing a lot of reflecting this past year I mean that's what COVID's kind of caused us all to do And I'm figuring out what's important to me. And I realized I was just giving too much and not filling up my own cup enough. And due to my upbringing as well, I, you know, since I was really young, it's always been instilled in me to be driven and to work really hard and that nothing comes for free. And I have done that since I was in high school. I've always worked since I could. And I've managed to travel a lot as well, but 
work was always a priority for me. And I think I just got to the point where I realized that there was a lot of things outside of work that I still wanted to do before becoming a fossil, essentially. (laughs) We are only in our 30s. (laughs) Just, you know, being on call and on a rotational roster just makes it incredibly difficult to be spontaneous in your personal life. And I just wanted that flexibility that I didn't have. I joined a footy team. I was able to play games every Saturday, which is just something that you can't do when you're a shift worker because you can't have every Saturday off like it just doesn't happen so I'm currently working in the fertility world enjoying relatively normal hours which is great I'm working in an IVF clinic and I'm completely learning the other end of the spectrum which it's which I'm learning too (laughs) you have taught me so much about IVF in the last couple of months And I really Which I did not much. know that eggs hatched. Embryos hatch. I haven't taught you very Yes, much. see? <laughs> I was looking at you then. I was like, eggs don't hatch, babe. It's not the egg. Well, the embryo. <laughs> the embryo, correct, correct. Um, see, I really don't know a lot. I tell you what, though, it's quite interesting being on the bottom again because I'm obviously new into IVF. I know absolutely nothing. I've gone from a role where I was completely autonomous to now something where I'm like asking questions all the time because I don't know the answers and kind of feel like a student again. I think that's hard with any new job that you start, hey? True, true. Um, Outside of work, I'm incredibly independent. Oh, this is the good stuff. Is it? Um, I feel like I live like vicariously through you. (laughs) Well, not during lockdown. I'm not that fun anymore. I'm super social pre-lockdown. I had pretty decent Saturday night fever. Yes. (laughs) AKO. I was pretty keen to hang out with my friends and booze a lot, but (laughs) I'm actually now a reformed binge drinker. Thanks to Gladys and also to some health. I wouldn't say it's a health issue, but just, uh, some things that have come to light sort of moderated drinking I may discuss this in the future but I also love to challenge myself but only with things that I have the guts to complete so I recently did a half marathon during lockdown with one of my girlfriends which I'm so stoked that I completed I'm so happy but fuck me it was hard and she I think she was pushing is this me for sure is this the one that you this isn't the one that you signed up to when you were drunk were you Oh no, that was a few years ago now. <laughs> okay. That was only 10Ks. I still did it. <laughs> I'm not an See, This is the stuff that she does. Basically, I just said to my friend, I was like, I want to do a half marathon. We just did it around Sydney. We didn't sign up for anything. And thank God I had it because I full blown wanted to quit at 16 kilometers. I was dry heaving. I had heartburn. <laughs> I regretted drinking my organic wine the night before. I had one glass of wine. I had not had anything to drink all lockdown and I decided to have a glass of red wine from but it was organic it was organic it's from um PNB in Paddington it's an amazing little bottle shop see uh, I don't drink wine so okay, any so wine questions care. are yeah, gonna have right. to go straight to you I don't actually know that much about it either to be honest it just tasted really nice I'm a cocktail gal you are a cocktail girl and a beer drinker oh yeah <laughs> uh other things about me <laughs> I also read a lot I have a big stack of books beside my bed and I'm always on the quest of self-improvement. <laughs> I really think that we can never <laughs> stop like being better. crystals? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, so the other day Ash and I were speaking and then I was like, oh, I've got to go. Like 
my kids crying or something. And she was like, yeah, I've got to go charge my crystals in the ocean because it's a full moon tonight. (laughs) See, we lack alternative. (laughs) What is it? Medicines, remedies. Yeah. Things that make you feel good. They're currently under my pillow. The crystals are under my my pillow. I don't. That's just where I put them afterwards. (laughs) Is that where you're meant to put them? I don't know. And then the funny thing is my partner also thought that then I was into crystals because he found my your gua sha. Gua sha. Are they called a gua sha? Yeah, a gua sha. Oh, he found my gua sha. <laughs> and he asked me if I was going to charge my gua sha in the ocean. Oh, oh these men, they've got no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> they have no idea about our crystals and gua shas, <laughs> says me, who didn't even know what a gua sha was. My face oil thingy-majig. Yeah, so I guess... Charging your crystals and having purpose in my life through my job is really important. <laughs> um, really on the spectrum here. But finding, from both ends. Yeah. But finding passion in what you do, I think, is so incredibly important, I guess, which leads us to this podcast and why we decided to finally go for it. So Fear and I have been talking about this, honestly, probably for the last two years, we knew that inevitably MGP was going to come to an end for the both of us. And we're like, we need a side hustle. We think podcasting will be sweet. We have a lot to explore and a lot to discuss with women. I know for myself, my friends always come to me and send their friends to me as well. I always get people wanting to call me and text me about certain women's health issues, particularly a lot around fertility at the moment. And Which I even message you about too. Yeah. For my friends and family as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we love exploring these topics and we wanted to provide a platform, I guess, to have this information easily accessible for women. Because I think a lot of women don't always have the friendship groups where you can just yeah. text them and be like, hey, this really embarrassing thing happened to me today. Like, is this normal? Or yeah. they Google stuff and Google just isn't the right no. place to find answers no. for things. Because, you know, you don't always have cancer. In fact, really <laughs> and you're not always dying. <laughs> yeah. So the name with woman is actually a term that is used to describe the role of the midwife. And we thought it really works perfectly with our thought process behind the podcast. We really, like we previously kind of alluded to, we wanted to create a platform that provides like a safe space to have real relatable conversations about birth culture and about women's health. The more that Sophie and I worked as midwives and as we built relationships with the women that we cared for, the more we realized that social media and forums and mothers groups and even YouTube is really heavily influencing the delivery of healthcare information that we, as in Sophie and I, kind of saw and realized that it wasn't always women-centered and by that, I guess we're referring to it being non-judgmental in the way in which it's yeah. delivered. And there's, there's so much pressure to mm-hmm. conform or put certain expectations on ourselves as women and then especially as mothers as well. Yeah. And I think we want everyone listening to this podcast to feel supported and empowered and to be authentically you through your journey and that is whatever journey you're on. Yeah, absolutely. Personally, I want women to walk away from their births and their experiences in pregnancy, feeling like they're the strongest 
woman that they can be. And And then not only is this podcast just about pregnancy and labor and birth and the fourth trimester, but it's also topics that women struggle to chat about, the gross things. Yeah. Sophie's navigating life as a new mum. I'm just navigating life in lockdown. We definitely would. Because there's things that I want to know. Yeah, we're doing it. Okay. All right. Okay. So for anyone that wants to ask Ash single gal <laughs> questions and dating in lockdown. <laughs> Feel I'm not an expert. <laughs> I'm not an expert. You make me sound like I'm a serial dater. I'm selective. Okay? I'm selective. In the um, you were one of the banner people for Tinder. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Ash got so, paid to be on Tinder. On Tinder, yeah. <laughs> I got paid three hundred and fifty dollars, and I got to Which choose. Pretty good. It's great. I did nothing. Yeah. I chose, I got to choose the pictures that would go on the profile and I just made a quote unquote fake profile that was only <laughs> distributed by Tinder. Like I wasn't catfishing anyone for an ad with Abby Chatfield and someone else. I never saw my face anywhere. So it was the best $350 I ever earned. Anyway, this is slightly derailed. So <laughs> let's wrap this up. <laughs> basically what we want is our listeners to know we're here we're riding the wave of womanhood and we're not expert midwives but we have a passion for education and we're learning exploring these topics with you and we're just holding a space for conversations to be had really thank you so much for joining us in part one the next episode is not nearly as self-indulgent because we're not talking about ourselves <laughs> it's more informative so we'll be discussing all things covid so jump over to episode one part two to keep listening <laughs>